Yeah, so before we uh, hit the record button, we were talking about our hair. Yes, how I very quickly flung mine up because, oh God, I need to get it thinned. It's just so thick. It's driving me insane. I have very, very thick hair, a full head. (laughs) And when I was little, hairdressers and just people in general used to fawn over me saying, you're so lucky. You're going to appreciate that when you're an adult. And it took me a while, but um, I can literally just wake up now and my hair's perfect. <laughs> Love that. Yes. Even though sometimes it looks like I dropped in from 1980, but the, honestly, it's a vibe though. Yeah. Yeah. Some stranger things like that. That's how it's coming back. Like people we're here for the vibe. I mean, the mullet is, uh, is being modernized and stylized now. So punk mullet. I was literally just saying, I'm going to cut my hair into a mullet. I was literally just saying to my grandmother earlier that when my hair grows out, I'm going to get it cut into a mullet at this point. So like, it's happening. I get it. The mullet is here. I'm ready. So speaking of throwbacks, well, I guess I'll dive in here. This episode is going to be me telling parts of my story about um, how I came to determine my um, gender and sexual preference. And a couple of things that I went through in my journey, just to um, let everybody know that they're not alone in theirs, and see how maybe possibly that we could change the culture of quote-unquote coming out. What do you think? Sounds incredible. I am ready. So when I was in school, and in school I mean high school, It was the mid-90s, and not to give away my age, but it's sort of relevant because, you know, things were different in that time period than they are, say, in the last even decade. So just to give people an um, understanding of time period and and how far we're going back, not to age myself, but in the name of education, I guess it's fine. It'd be like that. We appreciate it. So, and I think think that's actually one of the cool things about us being co-hosts because you got some different you know, time periods there. Maybe time periods is not the best word, but we have different experiences based on the evolution of our culture and uh, human rights and how that has evolved and different testimonies based on that time. But anyway, so when I was in high school, um, it was like the mid nineties and um, really you couldn't be gay. You couldn't be out. You couldn't, Never mind trans or any of the other titles you have today. That wasn't even, those weren't even in our vocabulary at that point or even in our existence. And so um, I knew that I had attractions toward other women. And um, I was just observing that anybody who even, quote unquote, and this is going to be a topic for a later episode, but looked gay, um, they got harassed in school. And people would get beat up and so on. And so I immediately recognized the fact that you couldn't be out. You couldn't be who you were without having some, you know, unintended consequences with that. So um, I started to explore, even though, I mean, I had a boyfriend at the time, which was sort of more like um, I was exploring that avenue as well. But at a certain point um, that ended and I was exploring feelings that I, that were my truth and, but doing it behind closed doors because I was not prepared at you know, 16, 17 years old, um, to deal with any consequences of that, those decisions. That's fair. And nor should a kid have to deal with consequences of love. 
It's so wild that like there was a period of time where children experienced consequences just for feeling. That's insane. And even now, like that's still a thing. And it's just wild to me. Like, yeah, that's a really good point. And just the trauma that comes along with that, right? And for the psyche that you don't even realize is happening just makes things really complex. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So fast forward, I, I go off to college and um, I thought this was a really great time in my life because I was saying to myself, this is my inner dialogue, right? Like, oh, cool. There's nobody around to judge my behavior. If people reject me, it's fine. I can make new friends. Um, you know, I, I just sort of felt like there was more of a, um, a safe environment or space in which to explore and just learn more about myself. And um, by my second by my second semester, I was invited by a friend to come to the LGBT support group or, you know, there was like a social slash support group. And it was very jarring. But also at the same time, I was like, oh, my God, they know that I'm gay. And I didn't I didn't even tell anyone. Like, how did they find out? How did they know? You know, that must have been really jarring. To, to, yeah, it's like, to, it, it's very jarring to have someone else pinpoint your identity before, you know, like, it, it, it's one of those things where it's like, wait, I didn't tell you. How did you figure that out? Right. Yep. Before I even got there myself. <laughs> and so I ended up going. Um, I don't think I went right away. Maybe a couple weeks in, I decided, okay, I'm going to get a backbone and just show up and, you know, whatever unfolds, unfolds. And that takes a lot of unspot. It does. A lot of courage, <laughs> especially at 19. It really does. Oh my God. That takes a lot. Yeah. You're still learning how to mm -hmm. navigate the world just in general. I look at 19 year olds now and I'm like, they're babies, babies. Like I, it's a, we hardly, I get it. I hardly knew anything. And it's so to, to be entering that world of, of self-exploration while at the same time, the new world of college, which in and of itself is just this really scary experience. Yeah. And we can even, we can even say, you know, like entering the new world of color. I mean, literally the rainbow, but, um, <laughs> but more figuratively, what I mean is like you, because it's such a self-exploratory time, self-discovery, I mean, the sky's the limit, right? And we can just try everything if we want to, you know, without having the confines of being home or being under our parents' roof or at school where we're chaperoned all the time. Yeah, it's, it really is a very freeing time in, in both the best and worst ways. Like, it's it's wild. So my second semester, I um, it was around the same time. There was um, another person that I thought was attractive. And really, I don't think it was about dating her specifically, even though she was very cool. Um, but I really respected and appreciated her courage to dress and present herself in the ways that she felt like she had really short spiky hair. She had it bleached blonde. She had tennis shoes and, you know, tighter jeans and from, uh, American Eagle. So she had like ripped, you know, holes in her jeans that were actually bought that way on, you know, intentionally. And, uh, I was coming out of, I don't even remember what class, I think it was an English class. And she was also in English at the same time, but across the hall, um, and actually not the same time she, her class was staggered. So I would come out of my class and she was in the hallway waiting to start hers. And I would always just, you know, stare at her because I, I just respected her. And I thought I can learn from this person because she's already doing the things that in my heart, I know that I want to do in terms of expression, but also in, you know, have more self-discovery 
with somebody else who's already in that community living that lifestyle, but, you know, outwardly. You know, finding a, a community like that is so important. Yeah, because it makes you feel supported. And they understand the experience. Exactly. Yeah. So it's sort of like a um, safe zone. So, um, so yeah, so the one day I come out of class and uh, I just kind of like kicked her. She was sitting with her back against the wall with her legs extended out straight. And I just kind of like, you know, kind of bopped, you know, kicked the top of her foot with my shoe just to say like, hey, <laughs> I'm I'm now in your orbit. <laughs> I appreciate that. She ended up inviting me to a concert. Um her name uh, to a concert. Her name was Jill Sobel. And I don't know how I remember that, but it was a uh, with like kind of it's folky kind of music and it was at the school and we went on a date, you know, and uh, it was my first introduction to that world and actually being out as somebody who is attracted to women. And I at that time, I really didn't know if I was a lesbian or if I was still because I, you know, I, I like to say even today, like I, I am attracted to people in general. Um, it doesn't matter to me if they identify as male, female, or non-binary, or trans, or anything. Um, I really, I'm indifferent about what the sex of the person is. For whatever reason, I'm more attracted to women, and I maybe maybe think it's more for the emotional connection, because a lot of our men today are disconnected from the feminine. Um, so I don't, in my experience, I I I didn't feel... At the, at the time where I w- dated men, that the connection was deep enough or it was evolved um, or in a place where it could be um, below the surface. And that was just my experience. I, I'm not putting men down in any fashion or form. I, I know that we have um, very evolved men. No, I totally understand that. One of my least favorite things is when AFAB people or feminine people are trying to discuss the the patriarchal systemic issues that exist in male and masculine run society. And the first thing that people jump to is, well, it's not all men. Like, we know that. We understand that. But if you hand me a bowl of Skittles and tell me three of them are poisoned, I'm not going to grab a handful. That's just basic logic. Like, come on. We understand it's not all, but it's enough. Because honestly, like when you were describing the way you feel attraction to to humans, it sounds a lot like the way that I feel attraction, which is just pansexuality, which is like, I don't really care what you've got going on. If we connect on a social and like spiritual and emotional level, we connect. And that's that's just that. But I totally understand having an easier time connecting with feminine people or, you know, even like more effeminate men or than like the macho dude. Like, I get that. You bring up a good point, too, because um, I I actually never really considered pansexuality because at the time when I was thinking about, OK, what's my label? Right. Because that was the big thing. Like, you have to decide you can't be bi because um, at that time it was, you know, the lesbians would shame the bisexuals. You know, if a bisexual was dating a woman, they were accepted. But if they were dating a man, then they were shunned from the community. Yeah, then they weren't bi anymore than they were. It's ah. Oh. And so for me, I'm, I'm watching all this because I'm a great observer and I don't participate as much as I do observe just because human behavior is just so fascinating to me in a way. 
And when you watch these things unfold, you can understand it better, right? Than if you're heavily participatory in it. And so I'm watching all this stuff go down and everybody's like, well, what's your title? Like, what do you identify as? And I'm like, I lesbian, (laughs) um, you know, and I'm sitting here talking to you and I'm going, Hmm, maybe I am pansexual. Like I'm in my forties now and I'm still like, this is still exploratory for me, you know, because we didn't have these terms back then. And even though I felt that way from the beginning, like I always felt like I loved everybody or would accept everybody as long as, like you said, they show up. There, you're, there's mutual interest, mutual consent. There's a mutual level of readiness. And each party has done the work to show up whole. And that's just the crooks of showing up to any relationship. But I think more importantly, um, in our community, which is all inclusive of, of every title, um, because of the fact that our existence is so layered and it's complex out in the world. And like my sister-in-law, she identifies with being pansexual. And I love this because we had a conversation just in June at the last um, Pride Parade. And my, because it's, it's so normalized. My brother, I said, because, um, you know, he was waving around the Pride flag and he was at the parade having fun. And I said to my brother and my sister-in-law, I just posed the question, you know, how are you guys going to feel if, if, you know, my nephew you know, identifies as being a gay male when he gets older or that if he brings home a man. And um, my sister-in-law was like, I hope that we evolve as a society and as a community enough that when he is of the age where he is seeking relationship, romantic relationship, that there is no quote unquote coming out. Like it's just normal. It just is. It's, it's, he's just saying like, oh, I'm bringing somebody home tonight. I want you to meet someone. And it doesn't matter if that person is male, female, trans, et cetera. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Like it's just like, oh, I'm bringing home my partner. Like that, that just becomes like such a normal thing that it's that coming out no longer is. I understand the importance of things like coming out day because it's important to remember the history of the act of coming out and how like it was dangerous to do and still is to an extent, like for so long. It's important to remember that that's a thing. But I don't want it to have to continue to be a thing. Like, I want this to be something that's like, we we leave it in the past, but we remember it for what it was. Honestly, the thought of, you know, like teenagers being able to just like, oh, this is my partner and like not having to come out, like it's going to make me cry. That's just so like, <laughs> I love that. I love the idea of like no longer having to have that anxiety. You could be emotional. It's totally like, this is a safe space. And this is the reason why we're doing this. It's it's beautiful, right? It is. Like, that's such a nice thought to just someone to be able to be like, hey, this is my partner. Like, no, nothing else around it. That's... Ugh. No questions asked, right? No questions, no labels, no... Mm-hmm. I mean, and the questions, I, I, I would say, and the questions that would be asked would be something like, are you happy? Yeah. Do they treat you well? <laughs> do you guys do fun things? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. That really kind of opened up my eyes because I was kind of forced into or or pushed into um, having to have a label and an identifier for who I am. And um, even today, I just feel like I'm I'm very fluid, like I'm very gender fluid. Even sometimes I um, like to be outwardly feminine. There are other times where I like to be more androgynous, right? So 
when when I was in college, I was dressing very androgynously, and I was experimenting with you know I had my head shaved for a year. I would wear the big Janko pants with the big pockets. That's a fun. I want those to make a comeback. Uh, me too. I, me too. It's not to like hide femininity because I I love being feminine. I love femininity. I'm totally like I stand strong in my femininity. So it's not about oh I just I don't want to. I'm I'm embarrassed to be a female or I'm be- embarrassed about my femininity. It's more like clothes don't define me. When I get dressed, I don't want to have to think about how I'm presenting myself to the world and if they're going to accept me. And that's been a large part of my evolution from when I was in my late, you know, late teens to early 20s, even till today. You know, I think about going to like a business seminar. Is it professional for me to wear certain things over other things? And now I'm to the point where I'm just me. I have great hair. I have, I take care of myself. I I live a healthy lifestyle. This is the only way I know how to live is boldly in my truth. If you're going, if anybody's going to judge me because of that, that's their problem, not mine. I love that. But it took me a long time to get to that place. A lot of, a lot of inner dialogue, a lot of inner work, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't not, it doesn't not come with so much inner work. (laughs) Yeah. No, that, that stuff takes a lot of time. And just it, it, a lot of it just work. It, it really does take conscious effort to really work on just working away the, I don't even want to say like the fear of what others will think, but more just like the fears of how it will affect your own life. You know, the fears of, of how others' perceptions will affect like your own ability to move forward. I so get that. Yeah. And that's part of the process, right? It's It's to teach us to navigate that reality and and to present us with to present us with resistance to make us more resilient and that's that's the crux of it that's why our community has evolved to where it is today because we have been presented with so many challenges so many hate crimes and so many opportunities to strengthen our resilience and that's the thing like a lot of times people in our community want to talk about all the negative things happening and there are a lot of that and I love the fact that we're getting on here talking about them, right? Because they are happening. So we're not being dismissive of them. And it's important to, to yeah, it's, it's important to not only acknowledge them, but also let other people know so they can keep themselves safe. But yeah, it's, it's good to celebrate the victories. Energy flows where energy goes. So I feel like if we put energy in evolving as a community, lifting each other up, versus talking about all the hate crimes that are going on and just focusing on that solely, then I think that we can really have have a hand in contributing to more forward motion for our community. No, absolutely. Even things like like just mutual aid, helping, focusing on helping each other, focusing on getting from queer businesses. And, uh, you know, even like there are... Um, like maps set up and like apps for for trans people in order to figure out like where is safe to go to the bathroom and where isn't like these things are so vital that we create them we add to them we you know take away from the businesses that don't deserve it because they aren't actually accepting like we have to make sure that we hold ourselves and others accountable and also celebrate ourselves and others when they're willing to you know stand with us and and are us like and i love what you're saying about the the app 
it's crazy that we need that, but I mean, it is, it, it's what it is. I, I'm hopeful that things will evolve from that. I hate that something like that is necessary, but I'm so exactly. happy that it exists. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. My thoughts. And, and furthermore to that, you have to help me figure out what mm -hmm. those apps are because you're way cooler than me. <laughs> So that I can put my business on those apps. I got you. I will definitely let you know. I have to look into that. Okay. Yeah. But when we get there, I'd like to add mine to those apps. All right. So, so I want to jump back to um, one of the points that I talked about earlier where I was, where I was talking about um, being in college and just like outwardly presenting, like having an outward appearance more of, of the androgynous uh, appearance, right? You and I were having a conversation recently, just kind of offline about you know, I was saying, well, I used to dress androgynously, but I didn't really know that there was a non-binary um, identifier, if you will, because then I don't think it existed. And if it did, I definitely never heard of that term. And um, just as, you know, you're bringing up the pansexuality part, um, just to share, even in my current journey and evolution of figuring that part out, well, if you dress andro androgynously, like, how does that sort of relate to being non-binary and being like feeling more gender fluid because if you are presenting outwardly as neither feminine or masculine and it's hard it's difficult for people to tell then isn't that the same as being you know non-binary and i come to realize like non-binary is sort of like you don't identify with being male or female whereas like androgyny is more of like the outward appearance of like an interdeterminant gender and it's it's okay for a non-binary person to dress androgynously but it's also not a requirement and so that's what i've kind of deduced in my understanding and uh you know that's that's part of my journey too like to figure that part out because um, I definitely, as we discussed, I definitely embrace both of the duality of both my masculinity and femininity. And I definitely am more comfortable presenting androgynously. But what does that mean for gender identity? And so I've been sort of exploring with the whole pronoun thing. You know, I was she, her. And then I was like, well, I kind of like they, them. You know, and I, I'm not mad at she, her. I, I am not, if somebody refers to me as she, her, that's fine. But also the fact that they, them is a discussion now, whereas it wasn't 20 years ago. I'm like, wow, I really resonate with that. And not as a rejection of my femininity, by the way. Like, how cool is that?